Welcome to the Give This Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Kai. This podcast is sponsored by the GPS Island Program, which Forbes has stated helps entrepreneurs become professional speakers. For more information, go to ChristopherKai.com. Our guest today is Dr. Sean Baker. He's the CEO and co-founder of MeetRx, an orthopedic surgeon, athlete, author, international speaker, and podcast host. Sean, welcome to our podcast. Christopher, thanks so much for having me. Appreciate your giving me the opportunity to chat with your with your audience. So let's just dive right in. I mean, you're an actual medical doctor, and I and I say that because we have a lot of guests on and people who are coaches and whatnot. They might not actually have medical training, and so for you as a doctor, what what did you what what was one of those aha moments or oh my gosh moments that you realized that our food system or, or what we eat was so potentially damaging to our bodies and our lives and the society. Yeah, I mean, it was a combination with my own aha moment as I, like I said, I mentioned to you off this sort of recording part that I've been an athlete my whole life and performing hard and training hard and doing well until I probably got into my early 40s. I started to notice a decline in my own health. And so I started to play with nutrition and I kind of went through just different iterations of different diets, finding out things that affect my body different ways. And and I found it where something worked really well for me. And then what really surprised me as, as an orthopedic surgeon, I basically was taught that our knees wear out or our shoulders wear out due to mechanical forces, excess weight, you know, injuries, you know, time, time, just basically things wear out. And then as I started to change my patient's diet, the ones that would, would allow me to do or would actually, actually do that, um, I started seeing patients where they had literally they were on the schedule for for a joint replacement because their joints were so worn out and with a dietary change they became literally asymptomatic to the point where you know these people with severe debilitating uh, you know knee pain or shoulder pain or hip pain no longer had pain and this is without really any significant weight loss uh oftentimes and so that was a pretty shocking discovery to me that diet had that much of an impact on uh you know on our on our musculoskeletal health. Let's dive into that a little more. Like what specific things did you recommend that they, they eat or not eat? Yeah. So at that point, uh, and this is a couple of years ago, I was recommending, you know, more of a low carbohydrate and often a ketogenic style of diet. Um, uh, you know, this is initially now I've kind of drifted towards more of a carnivorous approach where it's mostly meat based. And I mean, I literally can continue to see almost on a, well, literally on a daily basis at this point, as, I'm, as I've, I've gotten a little bit more influence and in, in having more people doing this, uh, all kinds of joint pains and, and other muscular, musculoskeletal issues go away. And, and again, a host of other things outside of my, you know, my, my training specialty, which is orthopedics, but I just, almost every aspect of health has seemed to, seems to respond to this for, for many, if not most people. But specifically, would you say, hey, eat more steak every week and therefore to help you? I mean, is there that direct of a causal relationship or it's more of like, you know, some kind of simple things. Obviously, they would need to read books and learn about you, but there's just basic things that we can all do to, to maintain our, 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 our body better. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the, the biggest thing we can say is, you know, much of the diet that we eat today is a manufactured industrial diet that is not part of our evolutionary diet. I think what we evolved to eat and what we eat today are diametrically opposed. Uh, we, we certainly have lots of good tasting options that, that the food uh, uh, sort of uh, manufacturing business produces for us. But again, unfortunately, most of those are not uh, particularly helpful for us. And so I think things that are 
most of what we see in the grocery store. In fact, most of the stuff we see in the shelves that are, you know, kind of processed, long shelf lives. I mean, I, I see a, a significant improvement. People remove refined grains, uh, you know, uh, sugary foods, um, seed oil, you know, these industrial seed oils. When we take that stuff, you know, so-called junk food out of the diet, that, that, that improves very well. And then as we get with more bioavailable, more nutrient-dense foods, and those tend to be animal foods. That's just the way it is. Uh, we see uh, further improvements. So that would be kind of the um, kind of overall sort of look at how I, I do more nutrition. Now, there's some people that are on a completely 100% animal-based diet called a carnivorous diet where they only eat meat, eggs, fish, uh, you know, sometimes some organ meats, occasionally some dairy. And those people seem to have often the most pronounced relief. And then, you know, many people do that for anywhere from a few months to, to many years, uh, at least as a, uh, you know, as a, as a tool to, to fix what ails them. And then some people end up adding some, some you know, kind of whole natural foods back in and still continue to do well. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to play the contrarian because, you know, a lot of the, the press and the news is like, hey, vegetarian diet. And I remember this doctor named Joel Furman, he wrote a book called The End of Heart Disease, and he studied decades-long research about how plant-based diets are better. So I'm curious, what, do you, what, do you, what are your thoughts, again, on a more plant-based diet relative to your literary book about the carnivore diets? I'm just curious what your viewpoints are because you're an expert in your field. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, Joel Furman went on a podcast announcing that, that I should be thrown in jail for, for advocating meat. So I, I, I find that particularly ironic you bring him up. But um, I, you know, I don't dismiss the fact that people have improved their health on a plant-based diet. And again, that, that's all very contextual on how you, you define that plant-based diet. Most people, when they talk about a plant-based diet, they're eliminating much of the same things that I'm talking about eliminating. Uh, the only difference there, in my view, is a lot of times they sort of wrap some ideological beliefs about how we treat animals and we should not eat them into that, and they come up with, with their, you know, their plant-based diet. Um, we see a lot of people, I have a lot of people that were on plant-based diets, on whole food plant-based diets, as Dr. Furman or some of the other plant-based physicians uh, would recommend, and they, they just don't do well with that. And they end up, you know, two years, one year, 16 months, 12 months, eight months into it, having significant uh, problems with their health, whether it's gastrointestinal problems or mental health problems or so on and so forth. And so it doesn't work for everybody. Certainly, if it does work for people, I always say I'm not dogmatic about anything other than getting results. And so yeah. if the diet you're on provides you the results that you seek, great, go for it. That's fine. But to sort of um, then sort of say that everyone needs to be on that because it worked for you or you believe certain things about uh, the way we, you know, the way we produce food is not necessarily appropriate. So I kind of push back on that stuff pretty hard. Um, you know, there's been a push, you know, just a recent uh, uh, thing in the news came out yesterday talking about let's tax meat and dairy and junk food, lumping them all in the same as if they are all the same thing. And I... I, you know, I disagree wholeheartedly, but that's, that's true. Now, uh, there is a study on these meat-based diets that I've talked about, because admittedly, you know, there's not a lot of people that have done research on this, but uh, Harvard University's just finished collecting data on 3,000 or so people doing this diet, uh, and they're analyzing the data now, and hopefully it'll be published here in the next, you know, few months, we'll have that publication. I mean, but there's, again, there's research going back, you know, 100 plus years, and isolated cases where we, sh and, and certainly populations 
that have shown that diets that are meat heavy, almost to the point of excluding all plants, have been very healthy for, for those populations. Uh, so um, I do think that the major commonality is what we should really focus on. You know, there's people that get healthy on meat-based diets, there's people that get healthy on plant-based diets. What are they commonly excluding? Again, it's usually the things we, we mentioned, the junk foods that you yeah. know, know what that is. Yeah. One last question, Sean, is the fact that I was watching this documentary recently and they literally had cocaine on the right-hand side and sugar on the left-hand side and the rat chose to eat sugar over the cocaine. So many of us know that it's, sugar is very bad for us, but it's so laced in everything we do or everything we have and have in the grocery store. So I'm curious, any suggestions on how people, though they know that, any suggestions on how they can really weed themselves off sugar or sugar? Yeah, I mean, certainly animal studies will show that, that there is some addictive property in, in sugar. The human studies are less robust, but certainly, you know, people will tell you, like, I can't stop eating this stuff. I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's some reasons for, for that. I think part of the problem is, you know, we often, you know, part of it is we manufacture sugars or manufacture sweeteners and high fructose corn syrups, and those things are probably more harmful to us than things like sugar we get from fruits and things like that. And so, I think if you do have a problem with that, a period of complete abstinence is usually the best way. And this is where these meat-based diets that, that, that allow you to eat to satiety. So you kind of reach your nutritional requirements. So you kind of cover your nutrient bases and, and you don't have the cravings. And this is how people tend to uh, uh, be successful with that. So and it, it may take two, three months, six months of doing that. And then you kind of rid yourself of those cravings, those addictions. And then you have a new relationship with food. And I think that's one of the problems a lot of people have is they have this sort of maladaptive relationship with what they eat. And so it becomes, rather than nourishment, it, became, it becomes entertainment, uh, stress relief. You know, it becomes a, a bit of a psychological crutch for, for people. Yeah, that's a, great, that's a great reminder. Sean, thanks so much for being on our podcast. How can our guests stay in touch with you? Uh, well, meetrx.com. I'm there every single day doing a, doing a meeting uh, that you can come on live and join us and we can join the conversation. Otherwise, my uh, social media is pretty active. Instagram, Sean, S-H-A-W-N, Baker, B-A-K-E-R, 1967. Twitter, SBakerMD. And then I do kind of a YouTube video pretty much every day. So I kind of kind of hit those three bases on social media. But meetrx, if you want to interact with me directly, that is where I'm at. Great. Sean, thanks so much for your time. Have a great day. Christopher, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to our Gifters podcast. If you want to turn your story into a successful speaking or coaching business, go to ChristopherKai.com for details.